Welcome to Malk's TV Talk, the podcast where we take a loving, longing look at TV and tell you this week, Don Draper finally found his happy place. Mad Men wrapped up with Betty smoking at the kitchen table while dying with dignity. Roger ran off with a woman his own age and Peggy found love in the middle of her crazy climb to the top. But it was Don's zen moment that somewhat jarringly then cut to McCann's famous Coke commercial that has most tongues wagging. Did Don do it or not? Does it matter? Don was happy and you should be too. Now go buy something. Since the dawn of time, man has searched far and wide for the best things on TV. What to watch. How to watch. Who's watching what. Free to wear this. VPN that. Plug in and listen to what other people think about what you are and are not watching. It's Mox TV Talk, the podcast, with your host, Steve Mock. Joining me this week, a man who spent significant time with Ben Pobji in web series Master Chat, like we talk about people spending time in prison. He's a writer on a new animated series, The Deep, which is coming soon to both Seven and ABC3, and a bunch of broadcasters around the world. He's a gad about town who has recapped all sorts of programs for a little website called MogsTVTalk.com. It's Australian TV royalty, Dan Hall. Hi. Hello, Dan. Thank you for joining us. Royalty? What qualifies me for that? You being on this podcast. I'll take it. We have been officially, by act of legislation, deigned to be the only podcast that can knight uh, and crown Australian TV royalty. It makes as much sense as any other knighthood that Tony Abbott's handed out. (laughs) Trust me, next week we've got Prince Philip on. Uh, I can't wait to hear his opinions about selling houses Australia. Oh, can you imagine what he'll say about Downton Abbey? No, actually. That's why I have to tune in. <laughs> That's look good plan. Very good plan. Dan, it's, uh, there's a lot of uh, stuff for us to discuss, not least of which uh, The Deep, which I, I'm very excited about. Um, it looks very cool, and, and you've got no small part in that, I hear. I am also extremely excited about it, if only because I have a mortgage to pay. Oh, amen. And Mama. also because it's, it's tons of fun. It's if only we could get this podcast gig to pay off the same way. Ugh. If only. <laughs> we have many other things to talk about, so it's probably an excellent transition for us. Shall we talk about the news? The news? Any news? Or are you referring to specific news? Mock's TV Talk. But first, the news. Oh, I see. Sweden have taken out the 2015 Eurovision crown, beating out Russia, who were early favourites in the final. Australia came a commendable fifth in the competition that friend of the show Mark Humphreys describes as... Uh, Just not weird enough. Really could have thought it could have been a bit of a weirder contest this year and I think everyone played it a little bit safe. A lot of of people dressed in black, a lot of people dressed in white uh, and uh, unfortunately some of the weirder contestants didn't make it through to the final. So uh, special mention to Moldova, uh, the home of the hot cops. Uh, I wouldn't mind getting arrested by, uh, well, at least one of them. Uh, and uh, also uh, the Czech Republic with the shoe throwing. I thought that was very entertaining. I was just relieved that um, Austria uh, was automatically qualified for the final because uh, until they set fire to that piano, I really thought that we had one of the less uh, entertaining Eurovision contests in recent years, but that was uh, terrific. Um, So I'm very proud of Guy. I thought Guy did just a fantastic job, and uh, fingers crossed we get invited back on the back of that. I think he proved the haters wrong. Uh, I I was there from the beginning. I was backing him all the way. Were you? Not sure you were. All right. Well, uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the podcast. Dan, you, I know, enjoyed Eurovision this past weekend. What did you make of it? Uh, I think the observation that it was not weird enough, in quote marks, is an interesting one that I don't know if I agree with. Ooh. Only because I think this assumption that Eurovision must be weird must be broad and campy and glittery and pyrotechnic-y and uh, drag queens and frilly gowns and blah, 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 is a little narrow. Are you saying that after 60 years, our little Eurovision baby has all grown up? I think we need to allow for it to grow up or at least to try something different, to have a year that's a little less weird and then maybe the next year will be a little more weird. And I think we just had that, though, didn't we? Like that, let's, let's see it try and grow up. I mean, they invited us for a start. Yes, that's a mark of legitimacy and maturity, if ever I heard one. 
<laughs> it's inviting a country on the other side of the world to take part in our solely European com- uh, competition, asterisk including Israel and other countries. Yes. Let's, let's be pretend Europe, just like we're pretend Asia when it comes to soccer. Oh, and when it comes to our own, there is, did you know there is a Pan-Asia uh, singing competition, song competition, exactly like Eurovision, but for Asian countries and legitimately including Australia, and no one ever talks about it because we always suck hard. Yeah, well, we're so outside of that culture. Yeah, we often know pop kind of, you know, any of that sort of stuff, and when mm. we do, it's horrible. It doesn't seem like something we're massively qualified to do. Which doesn't mean we shouldn't give it a go, but we need to be prepared to fail, just like with soccer or human rights. <laughs> I do, I do like the 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 idea that Australia is a is personified as a, a you know a person going off to school, sitting down, doing the exam, skipping out of class, and then the teacher comes over and picks up their paper and just puts a big red X through it. Yeah, you gave it a go. Don't give it a go again. It'll just yeah, depress us all. Favorite acts, performances. I actually really liked Sweden. I know it's um. A little bit mainstream, a little bit unsurprising to say since they won. Controversial. Yeah. Dan thinks that the good thing was good. Yes. Did you um, – Run him out of town. Were there, were there others that caught your eye? Russia, I liked. Mm, mm, yes. <laughs> You're allowed to just disagree and not just make I, uh, I don't hesitant non-committal noises. I don't disagree outright. I think that Russia had, um, uh, look, a solid – Pardon me, a solid anthemic Eurovision song, you know, like it yeah, was which is, in the hole. Exactly. They did it well. Good on them. Um, I didn't, I lusted after the C3 guitar, the Perspex guitar that, that one of the guys was playing. Um, I didn't like, and this may be, uh, it, it, you know, because of course Russia gets booed at Eurovision because of its hate crimes and, you know, the not liking of homosexuals and things. Um, the two things. Russia, Gumby, Russia. Well, two things I didn't like. I should just jump back one step and say that my uh, my saying I like their song is not me implicitly saying I agree with their uh, all of their <laughs> oh, policies. No, no, no. It, that should probably go without saying, but just sure. in case. But uh, the thing, the two things that intrigued me. One was I thought her performance, particularly at the final, missed many of Val's and K's. Um, she got all overwhelmed at the end, and I thought, girl, you've just sung a song that you've sung a number of times before. It's just Eurovision. Calm the farm. No, it is just Eurovision. For all of it being Eurovision, it's just Eurovision. Just Eurovision. Um, and the second thing is that apparently Eurovision, it is um, just Eurovision. employed anti-booing technology. Yes. Now, I, I, there's... L- anti-booing technology? I think is that so. just no, people I, like legitimately, it, I believe enormous security guards wandering around the, uh, the crowd, the glaring at people? When people boo, apparently there's a, that would be know, as effective a as anything. Frequencies that um, fit that that don't fit cheering. You know, cheering tends to be more higher frequency. Booing tends to be lower frequency. Uh, and it, it um, slow down there, Mister Science. Yes. Okay. And what it did was it emitted a frequency that cancelled out the frequencies that the booing sounds made. Like that's they, fantastic. I know. It's not just a machine that turns Bs into Ws, so it sounds like they're wooing. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Turn the booing into cheering. It would seem the simplest. Uh, yeah, but imagine the Adobe Audition setup you'd have to run that on. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if outrageous. anyone can afford it. So anyway, I, Eurovision. I, I, was, I, was, I thought it was good. I wasn't totally sold. I just thought she got a little bit caught up in the moment. I thought there were other songs um, that were, in my book, far better. I was outraged. Sure that Finland got uh, – they didn't get through from semi-final one. Four mentally handicapped men singing an 85-second punk song about cleaning your room. What's not to love about that? Literally nothing. I wish they were all my grandpa. I think one of them is. Oh, uh, you know, who has the time to check? <laughs> Certainly not your grandma. Um, it's – look, I think that the, the important thing that we get to take away from Eurovision it was fun – we're not going to get asked to do it again in a hurry. Absolutely. But that's fine. We're, we were the wild card entry anyway. We're, the goal wasn't to get invited back. Oh, well, depending on who you speak to. There's, there's well, okay, yeah, fair that, I'm, not, I'm not privy to those backroom conversations. Oh, I was going to say, there's even a whole bunch of fair weather Eurovision, Eurovision fans that popped in thinking that we were joining the competition proper from now on uh, and can't wait to see 
Guy Sebastian sing again next year. Well, aren't they setting themselves up for disappointment? There's about three things wrong with that statement. Yes, they're very much set up for disappointment. So Just to jump back to the Finland yes. point a second before we barrel on forwards. Yes. I think there's always a couple of outliers that are not the traditional big power pop melody song that are not really designed to win. They're just designed mm. to stand out, maybe get shared a lot on YouTube, Yes, have a lot of fun. And I think the uh, the old man punk song might sort of slip into that category. Then how do we explain Lordy winning a few years back? Uh, sheer awesomeness? Yes, but I would put... Uh, you our, would assume our, they'd fall into that, uh, that outlier yeah. category, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's the magic everyone, of Eurovision, the magic and unpredictability of Eurovision. The thing that we and look, Russia were tipped. They were they were late runners to win. In fact, we're leading the judging uh, with about until about uh, twelve countries to go. They were Russian to victory. Let's move on. I'll hang up. I'm sorry. I like Georgia. Yeah, look, loved Georgia. Um, loved uh, Serbia. Um, I actually enjoyed Lithuania's Pashi song. I thought that was good. Um, there was. I felt bad for the countries that didn't get any points. Was it Germany and Austria? Germany and Austria. So one of the countries that is just in there by default because they helped fund the damn thing. Got nothing. And another one of the countries that is there because they won. Like they just got through to the final because they won. Does this mean that Austria would have been dropped in their semifinal? It's like when you, uh, on MasterChef, when you win the mystery box challenge and you get the advantage... Totally You're almost guaranteed to screw it up. Yeah, it's too much pressure. In the nation. Look, we we can we will talk about MasterChef more in a second. There is more news though, Dan. News. Okay. Okay. Not content with terrorising viewers from five thirty to nine am weekday mornings, Carl, Lisa, and the crew of the Today Show are on the road this week, travelling to different locations each morning as a part of their Today Loves Australia and Carl Loves Business Class promotion. Designed to remind Aussies just how good it is to holiday in your own country, the show will visit the Barossa, Kakadu, Port Douglas, Byron Bay and the Gold Coast in an attempt to divert all the important bogan bucks and baby bonuses into domestic tourism and not bintang singlets. Now, uh, which is your poison when it comes to breakfast television, Dan? Do you have one? Are you ABC, Channel 9, Channel 7? Usually ABC. Mm-hmm. I used to watch... You're a, bit um, of a Roland and Trioli fan. Little bit, little bit. I used to watch Wake Up. Really? You were a 10 product? I enjoyed James Matheson. What can I say? Not unreasonably so. I make no apologies. Mr. Sam Mack, throwing a a sprinkling of Natasha Belling. Exactly. And the other one who didn't last. Yes, Natasha Exelby. Yeah. I I don't agree with the spelling nor the pronunciation of Natasha, but that's another issue for another day. Well, it's, it's, it's Russian, isn't it? Is it? Russian extraction with an R in it? If that's the case, I apologise and retract my comments. I thought it was just a bastardization of Natasha. Controversial statements, Dan Hall. <laughs> Immediately retracted. <laughs> I'll not commit to anything. Because <laughs> that, like, that's what we're looking for. That makes a good podcast. When someone is willing to call the other out and the other person refuses to commit to anything. Yeah, Normally well, no one, no one can pin me down to an opinion. <laughs> so have you dallied? Have you slid into the, the darker realms of nine to watch the Today Show? No. Never? Never. I have to say, I, I encourage you to do so. Just dally. Um, well, that's no, seven. You're confusing the two for a start. Channel 9 have Blocky. There's good reason for that. Like I don't it. care about either of them. Yes, but Carl and or Lisa may convert you. Wait, what's Blocky? Blocky is their block of cash that they give away during Renault Rumble and the block. I see. Whereas seven have a cash cow, which gives away cash. During cow rules. Yeah, my cow rules. Hmm. Well, you just paint somebody else's cow. Well, or no, they just take a lot of cats together because that's what looks like a cow on television. Oh, exactly. As we all know. Have you been to Bali? Once, yes. And was it, was it Bintang Singlands and Bogans at 20 paces? It kind of was. Did you enjoy that or was it something you tried to avoid? I enjoyed it to a degree. Mm-hmm. It's not really my scene. Why were you there? Was it for pleasure or for business? <laughs> it was pleasure. It was actually a holiday with my Rover group. Oh, yeah, wow. Scouts. So you brought the Bogans with you? Oh, yeah. we went. It was a Bogan group mission. <laughs> we're here to convert you all from your land of Muslimness to Boganism. 
we failed. Yeah. What about the Barossa, Kakadu, Port Douglas, Byron Bay and the Gold Coast? Have you been to any of these places? I've been to the Gold Coast uh, in as part of a family holiday when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I No desire to return? Oh, I might one day. There's other places on the list before that. The memories are too dark? Too sunny. The opposite. I'm a Melbourne boy. <laughs> but I don't see a cloud once every four hours. I start getting shakes. Yeah, well, you should come to the Gold Coast during winter. Yeah? Yeah, yeah we have clouds all the time. But they're just passing. It's where I store my photos. <laughs> you just hurl an SD card up into the sky, and when it doesn't fall back down on you, you assume it's been safely stored. Yes. Oh, look, I've only lost a couple of SD cards that way. They fall somewhere, though, after a rainstorm. Like the frogs that get picked up and then rained on people. Can you imagine in the future? Somewhere in when... Cairns, there's just SD cards raining from yeah. the sky. That's exactly right. When the dystopian future we all face, and it's just idiots like me that have thrown things at clouds to try and back things up, and uh, there's this one cloud that's racing around the world collecting them all, and it's like, I'm going to drop this all over you. If you look closely, that's happening in the background of Fury Road. Oh, I haven't seen this yet. This is a, a slight on my part. It's downright un-Australian. It's amazing. I won't talk about it any further than that since you haven't seen it, but it's amazing. I do recommend people, though, if you are a fan of – Fury Road and comedy and films. Check out Graham Elwood and Chris Mancini's Comedy Film Nerds podcast. They have a spoiler ep series, including one where they talk about uh, the most recent Mad Max film. I haven't heard it yet. I'm saving it up for after the film. But the spoiler eps are always brilliant because they do get into the minutiae of what the film's about, what it's like, their thoughts. And it's always entertaining, Dan. I recommend it. Cool. You check it out. I will check it out. I will, I'm more likely to check that out than I am the Today Show. I'll be honest. <laughs> Well, if nothing else, I've done my bit. More You tried. You made your case. The Nation met Ronnie, Michael, Lachlan and Claire as Nines Married at First Sight assaulted Common Sense and delivered amazing ratings for the reality show. With two more couples to meet this week, they've set a high bar with bride-to-be Claire losing her shit over flowers the day of her wedding to a man she was yet to meet and her tearing up at her clear desire to start a family. Luckily for Lachlan, her beau, cameras followed his every move so the producers will be able to narrow down the search area when looking for the body. Did you watch Married at First Sight, Daniel? No. Are you refusing to or it just didn't fit your schedule? Didn't really fit my schedule and also I watched a commercial for it. it. Is it schedule now? Is it? Have I, I don't know. Have I, have I inadvertently created another controversy? All I know is that between schedule and schedule, both work for me. Let's just agree to not quite agree. disagree nor agree. We'll just flip-flop. Sorry, you were saying about... <laughs> Let's agree that that's boring watch. to talk about. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, yes, you're not intending to watch, not, nothing that's grabbing you about that? Nothing grabbing me about the concept or the promotion. Someone, someone we both know is involved with the show, which is... Marginally interesting. I was going to say his name. It is fine to say Joshua Withers is a part of. Uh, I didn't, I didn't want to guy. send more hate mail his way. Yeah, poor guy. I, I, I do want to. Look, he won't listen because he doesn't listen to the podcast anymore. He's too busy, apparently. Um, but He's too busy I'm, ruining television and good taste. Ruining people's and lives. And good Christian values. I cannot get over the amount of people that have come at him. Now, to, to give you some context, Merit at First Sight, if, if you hadn't already caught up, Merit at First Sight, uh, people who have never met are matched together by relationship experts. They meet at the altar where they have a commitment ceremony because in Australian law, you can't get married immediately. There's there's a, at least a month and a day that you need to give uh, notice of intention to get married. So they don't get married, but it looks like a marriage. Yeah, it's a now, pretend marriage. Yeah, very much so. It's totally pretend. And now people... it's called married at first sight because in Denmark, where the uh, uh, series comes from, you can get married immediately walk up to someone and say, hey, how about it? They go, okay, you go and get married. Done. All right, I'm going to pop this recording on hold while I book flights to Denmark. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Great. How does your your partner feel about this? I uh, forgot to ask. I'll get back to you. Okay, great. She's with the baby. Excellent. She's busy. Yeah, look, I'm sure she'll understand. Now, Josh is a, a professional wedding celebrant. He does that as his full-time means of income. Uh, people who have been listening to Mox TV talk for a long time would remember Josh. He's the contrary person that just decides anything I say is wrong 
uh, and decides to deliver as many bad jokes as he can uh, in a stream of conscious kind of thought process. Then why did you need me? Well, just because I miss him a lot. I understand. You're the best facsimile I could come up with. All right. Josh so B. Josh was, Budget Josh, Josh was, that's me. That's my niche. <laughs> you, you, are, you are officially our guest Josh. Love it. There's worse things you could be. Now, I find it interesting that the show, they are pretend weddings. That's out in I the open. I didn't finish that's, my point. Oh, sorry. Please, please do so. And then I will make he a, was hired by the less producers. interesting point. He was hired by the producers as a gig to come and be the celebrant for two of the four weddings. That is the sum total of his involvement. He wasn't the guy that thought of the idea. He wasn't the guy that came up with pitching it to Channel 9. He wasn't the guy that said, hey, let's ruin the sanctity of marriage. He wasn't even the guy that said, hey, you know what? I reckon gay should get married, but not on this show. He wasn't that guy. He wasn't the guy that did any of those things. He just got paid to turn up and read a script and be done with it. And The amount of online crap he has copped, both personally and professionally, that there are other... There are other marriage celebrants coming at him that need to take a good hard look at himself. It is, and from what I understand, people are getting in touch with clients of his and potential clients, which is horrible. It is fucked. It is horrible that they are doing this, and I am outraged on his behalf. Now he's a nice guy; he's letting a fair chunk of it wash over him and kind of not responding. So I'm going to get angry for him. Please do. Fuck off, you people (laughs) that are doing this. That is absolutely outrageous. Grow a half a brain and realize that someone paid to do something, I don't know, possibly like an actor, isn't actually a person that killed someone on your favorite TV show. Um, They're just someone doing something. Ergo, Josh, hired to pretend to marry someone, just got hired to pretend to marry someone. And I I find that interesting that they pretend weddings, but they've got a legitimate celebrant. Is that just to add a kind of air of authenticity? As much someone as anything, in who knows what they're doing to make it look legit. Yes, and, and because then you think about the, the flip side. If had they just got an actor, uh, somebody to do it, that person may have well been inundated with requests for them to now marry these people, which that makes they sense. wouldn't have been able to do. Or but as we've now learned, inundated with hate. Hate. Um, but also the, the flip side is that Josh and the other lady involved as, as celebrants they do this for a living. They know how the whole process works. They can handle they, they don't need a lot of direction. No, they know the speeches. You know? They know when things yep. need to be signed and said and all Go that. Go and stand there, welcome them, smile, say the nice words, be done with it. Look pretty in the background as they kiss and as they walk down the aisle leaving together. Now, the nature of people's objections is to the show, I mean, is that they don't think that this should be allowed in a country where even gay people don't have the right to pretend to get married on television. Oh, the, the, the objections are multitudinous, Dan. In fact, this is possibly the only thing that, that, that could have brought together um, the, the, the gay marriage equity lobby, marriage equality lobby, and the hardcore right-wing Christian, you're ruining our marriage because you're pretending that something is marriage lobby. They're all agreeing on the one thing, that this show is horrible because it, it does something to marriage that magically somehow makes it bad. I don't necessarily disagree with all the objections. I think they're overstated. Like, it's a dumb reality show. Calm down. Yes. But I think their hate is certainly misdirected. Uh, Look, I I think that they could channel the fury into uh, much more accurate and dedicated places uh, like their local member and suggest to them that perhaps they grow a spine and do what the people who voted them into office want, Um, which might be, depending on which camp you're from, support marriage equality or deny marriage equality um, and then, you know, test test your luck at the next election. Although, you know, support if you're not a dickhead. Well, true. I mean, look, it, it, to, to the, the everyone's benefit, if you choose to not support marriage equality, that's your choice. It's and, a dumb and choice and I'll punch you in the face for it if I see, but it's your choice. Dan will commit an act carry, of violence carry on towards about your business. if he sees you in the street. So maybe cross over. Uh, if you see a small angry man coming at you with his fist. Small. Um, but beyond that, you're allowed that opinion because this is the country that we live in. We are allowed to have uh, differing oh, yeah. opinions. We are all entitled to our dumb opinions. Absolutely. Absolutely we are allowed our d- dumb opinions. I personally, squarely in the marriage equality camp, I think that it is not a threat to anybody's marriage uh, should two people who are of the same gender be allowed to marry each other. I don't think that's a problem. 
there is some concern within uh, the circle of friends that I keep that do believe that that's a problem, that this will then lead to all sorts of lawsuits and churches will be prosecuted and persecuted and all sorts of things. Well, they won't. I'm fairly confident that won't be the thing because, in fact, if we look to the weekend just passed where Ireland at a referendum had to change their constitution because the nation voted yes, yes. to allow marriage equality. So not just changing of a single law, uh, the Marriage Act here in Australia, they had to change their whole freaking basis of the country existing to allow for this. Yet Ireland uh, has not yet burned to the ground. I know. And church is still standing. Church is not prosecuted or persecuted for not exactly. allowing people to get married in their churches. Part of the think- law, yep. I was just going to say, part of the law that they, they did when they set this up was to say that from a faith perspective, churches hold specific stances and we respect that. There's no expectation that they um, support or, or perform gay marriages should they choose not to. No, same-sex couples just go get married at the registry office. Here are legitimate ways otherwise. That's exactly right. Yeah, churches don't need to be involved one way or the other. It, it just it, – the whole debate gets under my skin. And look, as a <laughs> and, and, and I say this as a very white – heterosexual guy who's been married to his wife for, for you know, 11 odd years, uh, you know. How odd were those years? Oh, the oddest. I'm 11 involved. mildly odd years or 11 very odd years? Actually, it's probably even closer to about 14 now that I, I have to retract that statement. Oh, my wife doesn't listen either, so it doesn't matter. Um, 14 years that feel like 11 years are reasonably odd years. So, yeah, I'll allow that. The good news is for the fan of marriage at first sight, and there is a few of you out there, a second season has already been commissioned and they are casting. Now, there is I was hoping there talk. would be a spin-off featuring the couple's first arguments called Harried at First Sight, but take what we can get. I was hoping that there'd be a spin-off where they uh, have the funeral of one of the members of the couple's buried at first, whatever. Um, first light, was- dawn burials. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. Both creepy um, and hopeful. Uh, if you are someone that chooses to want to find love in this way, there is the opportunity to do it. I am hearing rumours that as a part of the second season, they will include a gay couple. Ooh. Because that was one of the other controversies that some areas of the gay community came at it with. How come there's no gay couple in this? It's, an, it's not a marriage. It's so on and so forth. It's an interesting rebuttal to those criticisms that they are mm. – that they're sort of um, they're ruining working this against thing progress. That we can't do yet. Mm. Yeah, they reposition themselves as progressive. That's interesting. Mox TV Talk, the podcast, your home of Married at First Sight news. Because <laughs> we we need one. There Everybody is one more bit of news. Just champing at the bit for Married at First Sight news. <laughs> so uh, there is one more bit of news, Dan, but it's not so much news as an encouragement, if I may. Sure. Friend of the show and one half of excellent Australian podcast, Something Wonky, Dave Gorkroger is raising funds for a project he's involved with to build and refit some schools and health facilities in Cambodia. They're looking to raise cash for materials and you can be a massive help and donate some of that much needed cash. I've included in the show notes the chuffed.org link, which explains a lot of what the project is about. It is just about uh, helping set up you know, refit schools and, and tidy them up a bit and give them like st- stools they can sit on and health facilities and those sorts of things. It's actually pretty cool. So please spread the word on social media. And if you have the cash, I know that Dave would appreciate it. It's a, an excellent idea uh, of just, you know, look, we may not all be able to go off to Cambodia and do all those sorts of things. That's cool. But you may have a lazy five or tenner laying around. And I know that this project would benefit from it. So um, get involved, people. That's my encouragement to you. Can I lay down another controversial opinion? It's oh, sure please. to set Twitter aflame. I am pro school. I think schools are good. So everybody support this bizzo. Get out. I know. I'm not backing away from it. I'm not ashamed. No, I'm, I have to admit I'm very pro school as well. And particularly now that I'm a dad um, uh, of a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old, I'm super, super pro school uh, in that I see these lovely little minds just learning things that oh, I'm sure I, I probably could teach them, but that they're learning far better. But are you going than to? I could ever teach. No, we're all busy. I don't give a rat's. That's what the teachers are paid for, man. I'm not teaching them that stuff. You've got reality TV shows to watch. Follow Mulk on Twitter at Mulk's TV Talk. Look, the best segue possible, Dan. 
There is reality TV shows to watch. Welcome to Four Reels. This is Australia's only reality TV quiz show within a podcast run by me. Uh, I know that you're someone that doesn't mind dabbling in a little bit of the reality television uh, sort of stuff. That's true. What's your favourite at the moment? The only one I'm watching regularly at the moment is Mm -hmm. MasterChef. Yes, good call, as is most of the nation too. More out of habit than anything else. winner. Good on them. Look, it's smashing it. And and I think that the the going back to basics process that they undertook last year has really paid off for them. We're really seeing some of that benefit come to pass now. Now, Dan, five quick questions. The answers are irrelevant, but I want to know if you know them. Are you ready? Is that one of the questions? Question one. What was special about this week's mystery box on MasterChef Australia prepared by Maggie Beer? It didn't involve food. It just involved gardening implements. Correct. Now, that was controversial in and of itself, Dan, because Maggie Beer usually puts verjuice with everything. Yes. You can pour some verjuice over a gardening trowel and it'll come up quite nicely. And it wasn't missed either because during one of the, the you know, the walk-arounds that inevitably happened during the, the, the competition, Maggie was walking around with Matt Preston and they came upon uh, one of the, the contestants, Georgia, I think it was, and asked what she was making and she explained it. And, and Maggie, of course, went, you know what would be great with that? You put a little verjuice and some water together, verjuice and sugar together, it'll give it a nice acidity. And I went, Maggie, you don't miss a moment, do you? And then... I'm not certain this happened. I'll have to re-watch it and freeze frame it, but I'm sure just for a split second, some dollar signs flashed in her eyes. I think so. And and the, her, her brand of Verjuice flashed up momentarily uh, just you know, so that you didn't sort of take it in, but all of a sudden you needed to go and get some Verjuice. And you wanted to be sure, they wanted to be sure that you wouldn't go and buy another brand. Mm, subliminally. That would be just silly. Mm, subliminally. Question two. Whose house was made over on last week's house rules? Are you serious? This is the question? This is the question. Okay. I'm going to guess the annoying couple. Oh, correct. Uh, It felt like a safe guess. If we were to narrow that down, is all six couples. Um, Stephen (laughs) Tiana. You sussed out my game. Do we know what is special? I was hoping that I was going to that I was going to be correct if I just went for the broadest description possible. Extra points. What is special about Steve and Tiana's relationship? Oh, they met up married on first sight. Almost. She's his daughter. That's that's a bold step for married at first sight to take. So it's awkward. You think that, that would be a season two thing? Yeah. Yeah, well, look, possibly even season five. Question three. Name the latest MasterChef contestant eliminated. Ooh. As of recording time, so late last week. I'm going to give myself some thinking music for this one. Think, okay. Think, 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 I should know this because I've been watching MasterChef, but so many of them, the names just escape me because they feel kind of interchangeable. Oh, it was Jared. He of the hipster beard. Hipster beardy man. I, I think that is correct. Think oh, that is no, correct? Hang on. You didn't research no. your own questions. No. Well, look, Dan, let's cut through the, 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 the through the looking glass here. I typed these just as we started this call before we started recording the podcast. Oh, multitasking. I'm impressive. I'm impressive. Very I'm impressed. Special. You are impressive. I am impressed. I'm fairly sure that it wasn't Jared. Jared was the one before that, wasn't he? No, uh, that's no, because right. they had the cut. relay challenge this was the, where John this was screwed the, one the whole that thing up. John should have got eliminated from. Yes, oh, I hate his smiling flight attendant face. And if you look into the social media for even a moment, the Facebook and Twitter feedback to MasterChef, you are not alone in hating John. Oh, I wanted to reach through the screen and commit an act of violence on his braces. Not happy, Jan. Mm. They lost that entire thing because he decided to go, I'm just going to change everything. Friggin', friggin', not happy. Just for for context, it was a relay challenge. Uh, Five members per team. Each completed one stage of the dish without the other members present. The first person was supposed to decide upon the dish and then communicate that forward. John ignored the communication, did his own thing, and screwed screwed up the whole pooch. Decided to add white chocolate to a seafood dish. Amongst other things. 
angry, so angry. Georgia saved their butts. Absolutely. And nearly put Fiona on the chopping block, which I was devastated about. That lady has the most amazing Scottish brogue. Oh, she's already approved that she will do my voicemail message when we meet. Fantastic. Just a little flutter. That worked out well for you. Oh, my heart just beat a little faster. Question four. I'm ready. Which team was eliminated from Renault Rumble this last week? I don't want to sound like I'm repeating myself, but was it the annoying team? (laughs) Correct. Yes, I'm nailing this. As soon as you said that, I went, oh, God, he's going to be right. It was Michelle and Steve so yes. from uh, House Rules Season 1. She of the bum crack and he of the brow-beaten uh, husband syndrome. Uh, they just, honestly. They oh, so he's the one who was it. harried at first sight. Yes, he's got his own spin-off series. Um, it, was, it was brutal but necessary. Uh, and at the end of it, there was a change-up. They shuffled the teams. Who joined the man who can't smile properly and his wife on the blue team? Can you think? Can you tell us which people they were? Was it Aiden and Jess? It was. Congratulations. See, well my strategy done. on that one was to say the only names you know from the show. Well, it was controversial that and they it got paid off. But uh, did you watch any of House Rules at all ever? No. Leighton is his name. Leighton and Carly, I think, is his wife's name. They were the, I think, original House Rules winners. They were as part of Renault Rumble as well. Yep. He, he's a, 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 what do you call it, tradesman. So I think he, he does things with hammers and things regularly. That's what um, tradesmen do. Can't, they throw can't hammers smile. at people, put hammers into stews and whatnot. Just do things with hammers. He can't smile, Dan. Like, he and Carly did a Subway ad um, that ran far too frequently during the second season of House Rules. And... Uh, when he smiled, it was like someone off off camera was yelling, "Smile, smile with your teeth, smile!" And so, consequently, he looks like he's gritting his teeth and he's opening his mouth in that sort of elongated but flattened out oval kind of almost Wallace and Gromit, you know, but without the sides of the mouth turning up. I don't it's recall just, this ad, but now I want to go and seek it out. It'll be on YouTube for sure. But it, it just when he smiles, it's just teeth gritted. Opens his lips. Uh, that's me smiling. No, Leighton. That is you looking like a child molester. Now buy a sandwich. Allegedly. Allegedly. Children, come here and buy a sandwich. Question five. Which contestant died in the recent Real Housewives of Melbourne finale? I was going to go back to my running joke answer and then realize that would be horribly insensitive. I don't know. But Accurate. Somebody died? That seems – I don't watch Real Housewives, but I my impression is that it doesn't get that dark. Look, the correct, the correct answer is nobody. However, in my wonderful little fantasy world, all of them were killed because uh, they were fired into the sun I see by what you did. executives. I know so little about that show that I had to back away from joking in case you were serious. Oh, look, I think they are the most abhorrent people ever, quite seriously. What is, is displayed for all to see on Real Housewives of Melbourne is them – at their very best, they think, and their at their realist, we think. Oh, it's it's pathetic. Um, I sure will makes, offer though. Nobody's promising they'll be nice, just that they'll be real. I cannot turn away. I am. I have to know what next abhorrence they're jumping to. What is the stupid thing that they're complaining and moaning about to each other? I went through oh, a phase oh, like oh. that with dance moms. Oh God, they're dude. just such hideous that, that's people. That's I cannot you... come at. Explain Keep to me watching. why, because it looks it looks to be just uh, it it looks to be like they need a nuclear bomb dropped on them. They're all horrible. They're horrible people. It's a show built around totally. horrible people with one extra horrible person at its center. And this is the the Abby Lee, the the dance Abby Lee lady, isn't it? Exactly, the uh, director oh. of the Abby Lee Dance Company. I came at it kind of sideways. I was just mildly curious about it because I knew it was with uh, Maddie Ziegler, the dancer for the Sea mm. videos. Uh, oh, got cool, her start. Yeah. She's one of the students. Mm. So that made me mildly curious. Someone pointed out to me that was the case, and I was like, oh, that's her. She's good. Couldn't do it for very long, though. Oh, I can't. Look, I, even just seeing the press about her, uh, this is Abby Lee, and, and some of the moms coming to Australia was enough for me to go, no, no, 
we can turn back the boats, but we can't turn back these people. That That is what's wrong with our immigration policy. Every time one of the little girls uh, does any kind of dance manoeuvre that involves kind of lifting your foot and doing a kicking motion, I pray that one of the mums will just stumble a little bit too close. <laughs> Cop a heel straight to the face. Oh, the thing that always gets me, and I say this as a, an older brother of two girls who forever did dance, you know, through their, their primary school years, and I was dragged along to innumerable dance competitions and concerts and things and rehearsals. Um, I, it, it wasn't so bad, or I'm sure it was a bit the same back in the, the 80s, which is when my sisters were learning to dance as little girls. I look at things like that and the outfits that they put them in yeah. and the moves that they make. It's like, oh, we're so up in arms about the sexualization of, of children. And then, oh, but this is just her jazz routine where she's wearing two Band-Aids and a cork and is basically dry humping a pole. Oh, but she likes it. She chose this. I just can't even. And then there's the mum off stage just going, work it, work, do it. Oh, she's so great. I like it. I like it when she does that. It's amazing. Any, any reality show or performance show involving children automatically gets a little bit creepy. Oh, it's MasterChef Junior for no other reason. Oh, yeah. I forgot about MasterChef Junior. Anna Gare, to be fair. I forgot about Anna Gare too. I got to sit next to Anna Gare on a flight from Perth uh, to Melbourne once and uh, we had a great conversation and she uh, shared with me how outraged she and her family were over the treatment of Ben Elton and Live at Planet Earth. Uh, how nine really hung him out to dry and didn't give him any any chance to uh, to do a good job with the program because uh, and I did know this going in but because her sister is married to Ben Elton oh uh, okay mm, uh, and uh, so they were sitting at home very you know looking forward to anticipating the show and when they saw it they went that's not very good that can't be Ben's fault no because he's he's fairly established as a as a comedy writer and performer. He has form, absolutely. There's certain standards. Yes. Blackadder. And number of novels. I've read at least one of them and it was pretty good. It was interesting to talk to Anna about MasterChef Junior and and what she thought about being in the machine uh, and how she feels very much on the outer nowadays. Did she feel that MasterChef Junior did not reflect well on Ben Elton? Uh, She did have feelings about Ben Elton and MasterChef Junior, but I can't repeat them here. Oh, of course. We don't want to get too inside. Get all your TV news at MomsTVTalk.com. So sit back on the couch, relax. It's time for some couch time, Dan. Ooh. Turn what the lights down low. Earliest... I know, please. Tell me about your mother. Uh, what are your earliest TV memories? Earliest TV memories outside of kind of a general wash of cartoons that all blend together mm. from shows Which like Agro's Cartoon Connection. But Very none of them important. stand out to me as being significant. Mm. Um, probably kind of ABC youth-oriented comedy drama stuff. You're around the twist being the big one. Yes. And that's a, that's a big one for a lot of people, isn't it? And we, we've talked about it before on the podcast, uh, around the twist, a great Australian, uh, not really kids, but a, a, a young teen series. Uh, I watched on, it, it as a kid. I, was, I think I was aware that it was, some of it was going over my head at the time, but I enjoyed sure. it for the most part. It's a Paul Jennings series of books that turned into uh, these, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I think they – because Paul Jennings wrote a lot of books and a lot of collections of short stories, and I think they would loosely adapt short stories into episodes. It sounds reasonable. We'll say that that's what it is. Uh, and, and when you were watching this, was this at – uh, like the normal broadcast time? Was it something that someone had taped on a VCR? No, it was the normal broadcast. Mm-hmm. Were you lucky enough to have a VCR when you were a child? Yes. For those playing at home that don't know what a VCR is, a video cassette recorder is the way that we used to record television and watch it back later when you had to actually insert tapes into a machine connected to your television. And you had to operate a crank that sat on the side of the machine which made it difficult to and see anything on the TV while you were recording because you were sitting to the side. And every week you had to clean the tray out where the dead hamster was usually laying and replace him with a live one. I didn't understand as a four-year-old why that had to be my job, but never too early to grow <laughs> up. <laughs> was to harden you up, man. Life mm. is tough. Hamsters die. Get used to it. 
When, when you talk about some of the cartoons, and I'm interested, I want to pick up on the Agro's Cartoon Connection thing because that's certainly an early memory that I have, but I come at it a bit older. Uh, as I said, I'm the oldest of four kids and, and, and uh, my younger brother and sisters uh, would obsess over it. And I would kind of go, oh, you know, yeah, that's good. I enjoyed the cartoons and things. I was always more interested as Agro's assistant got younger. That seemed to be more <laughs> appealing than, uh, than the actual cartoons themselves sometimes. I did like it, and this may be a little too early for you. Again, I've talked about this before. Boris the Black Knight, he popped up occasionally on early Agro's Cartoon Connection, but ultimately Agro replaced Boris as that cartoon vehicle. I have no recollection of Boris the Black Knight. Oh, people, I'm going to have to hunt it out. Um, I, I'll do my best. to find Got to get him on the show. I, I would love to get Eric Summons, the man that played, among others, Boris the Black Knight. Uh, on the show because uh, he would be a wealth of TV, Australian TV memories. Uh, he also appeared on Wombat. Did you ever watch Wombat? Nope. Who I'm assuming it was a show about a Wombat. It was an afternoon children's program, uh, four o'clock of a weekday, and it was back when they had just introduced the C classification because they they made a big uh, deal about, um, you know, this program is rated C for kids, and someone had to point out to them that C – Kids doesn't start with the letter C, but I hope someone got fired over that one. They still persevered. It was the starting place for the Blakeney twins, uh, and Bob LaCastra, now Gold Coast City Councillor, was a reporter on Wombat. Great, and Agro appeared on Wombat as well. Um, um, he kind of looks like cartoons, a Wombat. That makes sense. A little bit of Bathmatish Wombat. What what cartoons did you like, Dan, as a young a young lad? Oh, the American imports, your Ninja Turtles, your Samurai Pizza Cats. Mm-hmm. I was not picking. Did you get in a Battle of the Planets on, on the ABC? Did you see any of that? Occasionally. I don't have really vivid memories of it, but I know what you're talking about. Inspector Gadget, Danger Mouse, any of them? A lot of the ABC afternoon stuff. Your Widget the World Watcher, your Banana Man. Mm-hmm. Banana Man. See that, my dear friends, Banana Man, explain that. Uh, well, he was a man who was also yes. somewhat of a banana. Almost. He was a young boy. And when he ate a banana, transformed into Banana Man. So a boy became a superhero called Banana Man because he had sort of Banana Peel-esque outfit and he flew around the world and saved people using the power of vitamin B. Yeah, it was a Captain Marvel ripoff. Vitamin K. I I got that incorrect. Uh, I think it was a Captain Marvel ripoff, wasn't it? But it was by the goodies. Tim Brooke Taylor, Graham Garden, Bill Oddie. These guys created and well, they're not they're not above ripping off Captain Marvel. No, oh, I can't see why not. That, that's totally reasonable. What was the place of TV in your household, Dan? Well, did you only have the one set? Was it common? There were by two sets. There was a smaller one in my parents' room. Wow! And obviously, so one you only large had, one in the lounge room. So you're an only child. No, I have two brothers. Wow! Did they get that after the second, the third child came along? Ah, uh, it was there as long as I can recall. So I'm not sure when. That's all right. I'm laboring a very bad joke. Um, and, and when that happened, oh, I see. obviously the, the television in the bedroom was mum and dad's personal time. Did dad commandeer the television of an evening or did you guys have to negotiate dad, but we just want to see one more a little bit of time? No, the only time he commandeered the big TV was uh, football games he wanted to watch on the weekend. Oh, okay. So other than that, you had relatively free reign. Yeah, the TV was kind of ours. Wow, how cool were your parents? So I stole it and pawned it. <laughs> Bought myself an Atari 2600. Oh, look, this isn't a games podcast, but I have some very fond memories of wasting many an hour on a, on a Super Nintendo game system, Mario Kart. Oh. Classics. So good. So good. Uh, what did you love on TV? What was your favorite TV show? If you look back now and go, oh, I liked a lot of things, but what's the one that you would obsess over given the chance? <sighs> and what age are we talking any, any age. You can say, I had this one that I really loved when I was a kid, this one as a teenager, this is one I obsess over now. All right, fair enough. Round the twist as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, as a teenager, I just watched a ton of sitcoms. So Seinfeld was massive. The Simpsons was massive for me as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Huge. Valid. Um, yeah. This, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not surprising anybody. The Simpsons is one of the most popular television shows of all time. But, you know, for a reason. The writing was yes, just rock very solid. Much. Um, recent times, the same, you know, big premium dramas that everyone loves. Mad Men, I was mental for. Lost. I went through a How big phase of just being obsessed with Lost. 
Well, yes. And did you stick it right, right through to the end for Lost? Right through to the end. And I enjoyed the ending. I'll stand you by felt Lost. The was, was valid? Yeah, not perfect, but, you know, the show, it, it ended the show in a sort of reasonable way, a way that made sense to the show and its themes. My wife and I used to, like, Lost was one of our date night must-dos. Like, we would sit down and watch Lost and then discuss what the hell was that all about mm. and how does that connect with anything. But we sadly yeah, then gave it. up. I think due to kids, I think we gave up about two seasons uh. before it ended. So we haven't actually seen the final seasons of Lost or the ending. I did read a lot about it and and, and sort of t- I take a lot of different people's opinions on it. I, I don't really have one myself because I didn't see it. But Check uh, it out if you get a chance. It's interesting. I'd like to. Do I need to do a run-up? Do I need to watch a few apps leading in or can I watch it standalone? Ooh, you could give it a go. I don't know how much sense it will make. I well, from what I understand, it did make a whole bunch of sense even if you had seen every episode. That's very fair. It sounds like a, another, another, another project, project for Malt. What did you make of the Mad Men finale, Dan? Loved it. Beginning to end. Mm-hmm. I'm in the same camp. I'm, we're not going to get any disagreement in that regard. Did Don do it? My – is everyone clear about to get into spoiler territory? I suppose you covered it at the start, oh, didn't look, you? people, it's, it's a week uh, – yeah. I, a, I ruined it all at the start, and B, it's been a week. Hard enough. Yeah, get off your asses, people. Um, my read is that he did, but mm-hmm. also that it's not especially important whether he did or didn't. In that if it wasn't him, it was someone like him. Yes, I thought it was a nice touch that – you know, the Don's great white whale of Coke and McCann, you know, he actually got there in that, that final series. And, you know, yeah, Coke had sort of been haunting him. There was the, the machine that he tried to repair in the episode prior. Oh, yeah, Coke. In fact, I think I'm going to throw out there, I think that Coke features in every one of the last episodes. I you think. might. I'd have to go back and rewatch, but you might be right. Just as a little sort of. Easter egg popping up. It may not be big. It may just be, you know, Coke sign in the background or an ad running or something, something, but I think it's there or someone's drinking, of course, a Coke. The thing that for me, for me, Dan, that, that sold it as it's definitely done is that link, that this is actually McCann actually made that ad. Yeah, it's a McCann Erickson commercial. Yes, the, and Don had been, for, we look back the entire series, looking to find his worth, looking to find happiness. And he searched for it at the bottom of a glass for too long in bed with hundreds of women and who wouldn't blame him? Um, you know, all sorts of different places. And then and also, took, I was going to say, and it took him going to this retreat. Uh, it's not a cult people, legitimately a retreat where people could go and, you know, and group therapy kind of place where that simple conversation, this guy admitting to just feeling like his metaphor was he's in a refrigerator. And when someone's open that he looks out and sees everyone and then they shut the door and the light goes off and he's by himself again that that resonated with Don so heavily that that helped him connect with who he needed to be and what he needed to be to be happy. Yeah. I think it makes complete sense that he then hopped a plane back to McCann, apologised and made them a metric fuck tonne of money. Yeah, and they, um, they opened the door to that. the most iconic, yeah, yeah, yeah. In his conversation with Peggy where she said, they, they will take you back, this has happened before, come mm. back and work on Coke. And I mean, this. I, I honestly thought he was ringing Peggy to say goodbye, and that was the untimely end of Don Draper. I didn't think it would go that dark. That didn't feel like the show to me. Oh, not that we would see it, but just that moment where she got, gets really worried about him. I'm like, yeah, oh, sure. no, they can't do that. And they she says, I don't think you should be alone. And he says, I'm in a crowd. Mm. Specifically, not saying that he's not alone. No, very Because, of course, he is. It? What did there- you make of. I was just going to ask you about Betty, but if you've got something else, go ahead. No, I was just going to say there are little clues pointing us towards the idea that Don did it, um, in that there are people in the commercial who are dressed like people at the retreat. <gasps> yes, the, someone posted a photo on Twitter where yeah. the girl in the pigtail plaits talks to him about, I think he needs to get out and, and you know we can get a car in a couple of days, that girl, like the receptionist. Yep. She's dressed kind of like this Swiss girl motif, mm. and in the ad – there's one of the girls is dressed almost identically the same. Yeah. And you don't have to take that as, you don't have to read that as Don definitely made this commercial. I don't think it's, it's not super important to get into the specifics. You have a great ending, even if you think Don didn't do it, you know, maybe Peggy created it. Maybe someone else did it. Yeah. If it Um, wasn't Don, it was someone like Don or a protege of Don. Um, And also you can, 
you don't have to be in quite such literal territory. If you read the story of Don as kind of more broadly the story of American advertising, then that is the climax, that commercial. Yep. No, particularly for the era, right? Yeah, so you can you can read it a little bit more metaphorically. The thing that I didn't like was uh, Pete basically gets away scot free. He gets the amazing job, he gets his wife back, effectively forgiven his indiscretions, and he flies away in a Learjet. I was actually okay with that. What he of all of the characters that we had to hate, he was the one we had to hate the most. He screwed Peggy over, literally and figuratively, more than once through all the seasons. Yeah, Pete never struck me as a bad guy or someone that was there to hate. He was a jerk. He was a jerk, but he was also very, very good for the company. Professionally, but he was always because, right. But that was because he was just rab- – he, 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 the way he squeezed himself in as a partner, like he was just – it was it was only ever about him. It was never about the company. So? It was about, I need to hold on to something and make it be um, – make me important. And all Whereas of the characters Don, were ambitious, it's, it's including our heroic characters like Don and Peggy and Roger. Yeah, but I think Roger was Roger was ambitious, but he had very clear failings and just accepted them. You know, didn't try and fix them, just accepted them. Um, whereas I think that Peggy was ambitious, but that was because it was the time when she needed to be, and there needed to be the kind of groundbreaking, hardworking women that pushed the envelope like she and Joan did. Um, that meant that now, reasonably speaking, women are paid only 85% less than men and not 50, 100% less than men. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, Pete's, Pete's ambition wasn't in service of a, of a greater social movement like Peggy's or Dawn's, uh, but it doesn't make it a sin. Yeah, I just didn't like him, quite frankly. That's fair. He was annoying. I'm not saying he was, a, fight- a, I'm not saying he was a, a hero or an altruistic paragon, but... I don't think he was a villain either. I think he was just a man with good at some things and not good at other things. Who was your favourite, uh, if we take the core cast out of the way, did you have a favourite sort of flitting around the background? In Harry. Out? Same. Could not get enough Harry. Harry got so done over. But then when he came to McCann, that was, he, he found his Xanadu. It was incredible for him, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just a story of a guy who kind of kept failing upwards. He wasn't amazingly mm. talented, but he was just talented enough and just smart enough and well-connected enough to reach a certain level of success. And his niche happened to be the one that, you know, experienced a lot of expansion, you know, getting to know the TV market and then getting to know computers and just kind of right place, right time. Let, that look on his you know, face. Let it turn him into a prick. Let the success go to his head. That look on his face when they were moving out of their offices, moving over to McCann and the computers being moved out and uh, yep. he was talking about, uh, you know, I've got all of these people over at McCann, you know, all these analysts. And, he has and, a, know, computer a computer made of people. Mm. And he was so it happy. Was, I'm not saying oh, I liked phenomenal. the guy, but I always enjoyed him. Yeah, yeah I, and, and look, a, another great pickup, uh, following on from my conversation earlier about comedy film nerds, he has popped up as a guest on comedy film nerds talking about both Mad Men and films and those sorts of things. Rich Summer, yeah, uh, he's, he's great. Guy, really, it's a really cool episode. So he again, has a podcast about board it. games. Do you know where that came from? His episode of comedy film nerds. Great, I know they he's an enthusiast. Him, well, they challenged him to, to to start this podcast about board games because they said, "Do you have one?" He said, "Oh no, I don't." You know, but. I'm, they said, well, what are you interested in? And he said, board games. So, yeah, look, you want the perfect origin story for the board games podcast, go and check it out on Comedy Film. That's games. great. It's I will. really, really good. And his board games podcast is really good. I believe it's it. I haven't heard it yet, but I've heard him on other podcasts. He's popped up on Doug Loves Movies a few times. And, yeah, he's a, mm. a likable guy. He's a funny guy. So tell me about The Deep, Dan. What is this show? The Deep, it's still, still in production, still there, so I can't go into crazy detail, but. It is based on a graphic novel. Mr. Secret Everything. Secret Everything. Uh, created by local writer Tom Taylor and uh, artist James Brower. Mm. It is about a family of explorers who live under the ocean. Uh, the graphic novel being Under the down. sea, did you say? Under the sea. Everything's better where it is wetter. Mm, under the sea. Yes. Yeah, explorers and they live under the sea and they discover strange creatures and lands and, and they do all kinds of Target. mischief. It's fun. 
what, young boys. What's the target group for this? Are we talking about sort of that that young teen, older older child age, or older child, early early teen? Yeah, and mostly mm-hmm. boys, but we hope girls will watch it as well. And we learn things as much as we do have be entertained by the things. We try to stick clear of that kind of Captain Planet moralizing. Is what we all learn, <laughs> yes. which isn't to say yes. you never ever want to do it, but sure, you can't. You want to bury. You don't want people to feel like they're being lectured. And it's what's your role? And, first and foremost. For sure. What's your role in the show? I'm just episode writer. Oh, just. I just casually write the words that, you know, people are going to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, um, there's a head writer, uh, Tom Taylor, who yeah. is, he created the graphic novels. Um, and then there's a few sort of freelancers floating in and out. And I'm one of them. But I've written a fair few, I want to say, I'd have to count this now. I want to say sort of eight or mm-hmm. nine, about a third of the series. Awesome. Dude, that's very cool. Now, I said before it's going to pop up on Seven and the ABC and a bunch of other networks around the world. Yep. That's very cool. Yeah, it's great. Um, Heaps of fun. How, how did you score a gig like this? I mean, first of all, an Australian animation being exported to the world, tick, that's excellent. Um, two, yeah, finding gigs like that must be thin on the ground. How did you score that? Good work. Uh, I've worked with Tom Taylor, the head writer in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of recommended me when it was getting off the ground. And then just, yeah, whipped up, whipped up a sample. The right people liked that. Got the first episode. That was apparently good enough to get more and so on and so on. Very cool. And are, are we allowed to say of the, the cast, because there's been published photos, uh, like drawings, pictures sure. of the cast and, Absolutely. and character names and stuff. Who's your favourite to write for? Probably Fontaine, who's the young girl, the sort of teenage girl, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, because just she's feisty, or it's she's a, it's she's a just got she's got a sense of humour that I enjoy writing a little bit dry, a little bit sarcastic, without being too cynical or negative. She's fun, she's a good, little bit good character. Ah, yeah, I'm like a teenage girl. Is what I'm saying, in a lot of ways. Well, you are very effeminate, except for the facial hair. Thank you. That's the correct way to respond to that. <laughs> uh, Dan, now uh, we'll, we'll be able to keep an eye out. Obviously, there's a Facebook page for The Deep, isn't there? There is. Feel free to like it. All right. We'll whack that into the show notes. People check it out get involved. And there'll uh, be, as a, we get closer bit... to the broadcast dates, there'll be it'll be all over social media. There'll be Twitter and there'll be trailers online and yes. et cetera, et cetera, And Dan et cetera. will tweet it and Absolutely. I will retweet Dan tweeting it. I certainly so hope so. there'll be that continuation of my absurd... Uh, love of the, the the medium. Mulks TV Talk, the podcast. Now, Dan, how can people who want to find you and follow you and love you and stalk you do so? Yes. Twitter is probably the best way, at Daniel John Hall. No spaces or underscores or anything. Spelt like we expect it to? Absolutely. D-A-N-I-E-L-J-O-H-N-H-A-L-L. It is the most mm-hmm. uh, common, boring name in the Western world. Common boring name, uh, and of course the, there's uh, the Deep's Facebook page which we spoke about. You can mm-hmm. get that, guys. I, I commend you uh, to follow Dan's work, uh, particularly if you are a fan of MasterChef. When he does have his tweet on, it is worth following. Thank you. He's- I kind of go, I go through phases of tweeting a lot about reality shows and then getting over it. But yeah, follow me. It'll pop up sooner or later. It's very funny. I, I commend it to you. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Can I very quickly mention that if you, especially if anyone out there has young kids, kind of older children, early teen, and The Deep sounds like something they'd be interested in, check out the graphic novels, which are available through a publisher called Gestalt. Um, I know they're available at comic stores. Uh, a few bookshops, Dimmicks in the city carry them. Uh, they're available digitally oh. online, I think through Comixology. If you go- Google it, still, it'll come up. They're just called The Deep, yeah? The Deep. There are two graphic novels. One's called... The Vanishing Island, one's called Here Be Dragons. There's a third one on the way mm-hmm. sooner or later, I think. I don't I don't really – I'm not involved with the comic stuff at all. I'm only involved with the show. I'm simply mentioning yeah. the comics as a fan and as, you know, something uh, – some work that I respect. I think they're really great for kids and, That's yeah, awesome. Well, I've got a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old that I'm sure will probably want to snaffle it up. So I will post-haste go and make said purchases so they can enjoy them. That's excellent, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being involved with the podcast. And to all our listeners, thank you for joining us this week on Mox TV Talk, the podcast. Bless all your little hearts. I know. Follow me on Twitter at Mox TV Talk and find me on Facebook and Instagram at thosethings.com slash Mox TV Talk. 
New episodes are out Tuesdays, so make sure you subscribe via iTunes or your favourite podcasting app, and please do leave a sweet five-star review. Tune in next week when you'll hear Dan Hall say... Am I supposed to say something? Good night.